0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, as we gather here today, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to receive. You. And so, Lord, make this a special time where you walk in to our very hearts and fill us with all of who you are. We pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. A little over a, a week ago, I asked the question on my Facebook page. I, I just asked, who is Jesus? You can imagine I got a, a number of comments on that. Uh, I even had a, a friend who said, uh, Pastor, I thought you would know this one, right? <laughs> but, but seriously, think about it. Imagine that you're at your child's soccer game. You're sitting on the sidelines in your lawn chair. You've got your cup of coffee in the cup holder. There's another parent of another child sitting there right next to you in their lawn chair, and and they've got their cup of coffee in their hand. As you're watching the game, the the ball rolls out of bounds behind a goal, and the, the kids run off to get that soccer ball. And then that person, that other parent, who is watching the game with you, looks over at you, knows that you go to worship and and asks you, who is Jesus? What do you say? Today we're beginning our our Holy Week series, which is called, Who is Jesus? It's It's a good question. In fact, Jesus asked the question to his disciples. In Mark chapter eight, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? On this Palm Sunday, we're going to begin a, a journey of discovering who is Jesus. Today, we're, we're going to start out in a little bitty town called Bethany. It's right outside of Jerusalem. Bethany, that, that name means house of affliction, house of brokenness house of division, a, a, a place where there's lack of peace. We're going to move from Bethany into Jerusalem. And then later on this week, we'll find ourselves in the upper room on, on Thursday, uh, the cross on Good Friday. And then next week, Sunday, we're going to find ourselves standing outside of a, a tomb that's actually empty as we try to discover who is Jesus the setting of that original Palm Sunday, the culture was emotionally tense. There was political volatility. There was societal unrest. There was corruption and conflict inside the church. In other words, that original Palm Sunday was a whole lot like today, maybe more like today than we ever imagined or thought of before. And into that setting now, Matthew, uh, a follower of Jesus, records the account, the historical account of that first Palm Sunday, and, and here it is. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that follow shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? There's that question again. Who is this? Who is Jesus? Do you have your answer for that soccer parent yet? The answer to the question of who is Jesus, common responses from, from yesteryear were things like that. He was a, a great teacher, a, a great prophet, a, a man who was close to God. Not all that long ago in my lifetime and, and going back, a, a response, a, a concern was, was Jesus even a real historical figure? But as time has gone on and documents have been found and and researched, we we find out that, yeah, Jesus actually is one of the, if not the most, uh, noted historical characters in all of history. Some of the common responses to to who is Jesus today is is that he was a, a good teacher, a compassionate soul, savage for bucking the establishment. And for some, today, they just don't have enough information to form an opinion, kind of like that soccer parent. And then there are those today that, that haven't even heard of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus. That was a question that was going around as Jesus went into Jerusalem, the people in the city going, who is this? And and the crowd answered this, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But he's actually more than a prophet. Let's check it out and let's see. Let's go back. In, in the Old Testament, there's this book. It's, it's called Zechariah. It's named after the, the prophet Zechariah. He lived about 500 years uh, before Jesus did. And, and Zechariah gave us a, a prophecy of the one who would be the, the promised one, the anointed one, the one who would be the savior of the world. And this is what Zechariah says. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. and from the river to the ends of the earth. See, as, as we look at those words and, and we think back to how Matthew documented that, that first Palm Sunday, what we see as we connect the dots is that Jesus is the fulfillment of these words of Zechariah and that Jesus is actually a king. But what kind of king is Jesus? Jesus. We see King Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding in on a donkey. And, and I don't know about you guys where you're at and stuff, but, but I grew up in the church. and When I see Jesus riding in on a donkey, that just messes me up. You know, he's the king and he's riding on a donkey. To me, a, a donkey is not regal, it's not royal. You know, when when I think of donkey and I think of like a car or something like that, I think like of a an old beat-up Volkswagen Beetle, you know? that's just rusted out and everything it doesn't seem very regal or royal to me if if i was thinking about a, a king coming into t- town today i would think of like one of those big black armored window tinted SUVs with blue lights and a motorcade but there's jesus riding in on a donkey See, back back in the day, if a, a conquering king came into a town and he came in on a stallion, a big, strong horse, it meant that he came in power and domination. That you and everybody there were gonna be under his control, under his finger, all right? So if you go back to that day, you would never see It would never have entered his mind, Caesar, to enter into Jerusalem on a donkey. It never entered King Herod's mind to come into Jerusalem on a donkey. It it never even entered the governor Pontius Pilate to come into Jerusalem on a donkey. No, those guys were coming in on stallions. They were coming in with other stallions with armed forces. But Jesus comes in riding on a donkey because back in the day when a conquering king came into a city riding on a donkey, it meant that he came in peace. He came offering and bringing peace to the people. As we dive down a a little bit deeper into these scriptures, what we find out is that original Palm Sunday was was held in the first month of the year for the Hebrew nation, the month of Nisan. Okay, not the car, the month, all right? The 10th day of the month of Nisan, that was the day that the children of Israel in history would pick out the unblemished lamb that they would sacrifice four days later on the 14th day of Nisan, the the day of the Passover celebration. So remember that, that, that unblemished lamb, what's going on back in, in Israel's history, they had been slaves in Egypt and and they were told to, to pick out an unblemished lamb Sacrifice it, paint the the blood of the lamb on their doorframe, and then when that last plague in Egypt, the plague of the firstborn came over, when that angel of death would come and it would come to a house that had the blood of the lamb on it, it would pass over and everybody would be okay. But if a house didn't have that blood of the lamb on it, the firstborn son would die. Okay, it was that plague that set the children of Israel free from their slavery and brought them peace. Understand, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem on that first Sunday, he is coming in as the unblemished lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He was God's one-of-a-kind son who is coming to sacrifice himself to bring peace, peace for all people. See, since the, the fall into sin, mankind has never had peace. Keep in mind, peace is not the absence of war like darkness is the absence of light. Peace is not when the neighborhood dog finally quits barking like at 2 a.m. Peace is not when spouses hold their tongues when they know they could let the other one have it. Peace is not having a nice picnic lunch in a meadow with green grass and beautiful flowers at the bottom of a purple mountain majesty. No peace treaty has ever actually brought peace. See, this side of heaven warfare and the lack of peace is what this world is known. The century we just came out of, the 20th century, was the bloodiest century in the entire history of the world. We just are coming out of a couple of decades of calls for toleration. And as you've noticed, that hasn't brought peace, but is now ushering in cancellation. A first century philosopher said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, He is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns more than even for outward peace with others. Tell me, isn't it true that we want peace? Peace from guilt, peace from shame. Peace from regret, peace from not adding up, peace from anxiety, peace from worry, peace from financial concerns, peace from you fill in the blank. Where do you want, where do you need peace in your life? The human story, according to your story in mine, not according to someone else's story. We don't have to go there. The human story, according to your story in mine, is a story that's made up of pieces, of fragmentation, of cracks, of divisions, again, of... Jesus. Like I mentioned before, husband and wives, they, they know what to say, right? Uh, to, to get underneath the other person to, to crush them, to, to crack them, to, to, to make them fall to pieces, and, and sometimes they keep their mouths quiet and sometimes they don't. In many of our homes, husbands and wives can't even agree on how the dishwasher is to be loaded. or how the wash. Is to be done. And whether they say anything or not, there's that angst going on, right? That there's something not right here. There's pieces instead of peace. The student's working on their project for school. They're doing it as best they can. They're doing it with contentment and excellence and everything. And then they get to class and another student presents their project. And virtually every time then there is pieces and not peace. Either because my project is better than their project and so there's a separation or divide or their project's better than mine and now I'm crushed to pieces. Sometimes seek out peace trying to point out the brokenness of others. Sometimes we try to avoid that we're broken and that we have all these pieces lying around but you know how that goes it really doesn't add up because we still have pieces whether we want to admit it or not no matter how hard we try there's fragments There's brokenness, and there are pieces. But we don't want pieces. We want peace. We want peace with others. Uh, We want to be able to go to work and and, and just be accepted and accept others, and and, and we want to have a peaceful, we don't want conflict. We want peace with others. We we don't want crime in our communities. We want peace inside of ourselves. Peace in our hearts and our minds. Peace from our thoughts that are just rebelling against us. We want peace with God. We want peace with God because when there's peace with God, that's really when we can have peace inside of our soul. And so Jesus, the king of peace, comes riding into Jerusalem. And the people were loving it. Great big praises, celebration clamoring going on, shouts of praises. They were so excited because they knew that Jesus was was bringing peace. They, They thought he was coming in to conquer the Roman Empire and that there would be national peace. But Jesus didn't come to provide national peace. His plan was much bigger. It was greater than that. He was going to bring peace for all time by overthrowing sin, the thing that causes our pieces, and conquering the grave. And so Jesus came offering peace being that unblemished lamb that was going to be sacrificed to make the payment price for our sin so that we might have peace. The the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, okay? And, And it is so rich and it is so deep in meaning. Shalom means peace And harmony. And wholeness. Completeness. Prosperity. Welfare. And tranquility. All over. Peace. Before we end this week. We're going to see that kind of peace. Offered to a guy named Barabbas who was released instead of Jesus. Before this week is over, we're gonna see that kind of peace extended to a a criminal on the cross. Before this week is ended, we're gonna see that kind of peace offered you and me the prophet Isaiah said the punishment that brought us peace was upon him so who is Jesus he is the king of peace Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Again, he says in John chapter 16, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Is your life full of pieces or peace? Jesus came offering peace to all people. He came offering peace to King Herod and, and Pilate, but, but they were just too busy juggling their pieces trying to get peace. How about you? Are you struggling with the pieces when you already have peace offered to you? Think about it kind of like, like this, uh, you know, a person inside a, a swimming pool, you know, they're in the water and everything, and they're struggling, trying to get wet, even though they're already wet. In Jesus' You already have peace. Have you surrendered to that peace? Or are you still fighting for it? I'll be honest, there's still times where I fight for it. Uh, I, I think that, that peace is is all about my thoughts, my words, my actions. I try and get peace by fighting temptations on my own. And I wonder why it's so hard. And there's this lack of peace. We look around there, there may not be much peace in our lives as we look at our culture. Things may not make sense to us. That's why it's so vital to understand that Jesus makes peace of our pieces. Jesus makes peace out of pieces. He is our source of peace, He is peace personified. See, understand peace isn't so much clinging on to Jesus. It's understanding that Jesus is clinging on to you. So who is Jesus? When that soccer parent asks you, who is Jesus? Here's your answer. He's my source of peace. And he can be your source of peace too. Jesus makes everything okay when it's not okay. Because he makes peace out of pieces. And you know what happens when you have peace? Anxiety and stress and fear, and weary, all those things move out of your heart and praise to God moves in to your heart. Let's pray to the King of Peace. Lord Jesus, as you came into Jerusalem long ago, come into our hearts today bringing peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Help us to hail you as King and to surrender to your shalom, to your peace. Thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Amen.